art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul. Whatever thou be, until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello. Hello. Episode 87. The 1st of May. Mm-hmm. First of well, May. Well, not the first of May, the first episode of May. Yep. Happy birthday month. That's right. My birthday month. It is your uh, birthday month. Also moving towards 100 episodes. That's pretty exciting. Only 13 away. Aye, aye, aye. What are we going to do for 100? I don't know. We still got to figure that out. I've had a lot of suggestions like Joe should come in and tell a story. Joe should replace you. Oh. Um, I forget. There's been some good ones. Okay. I can't read. Oh. So let's go ahead and we'll skip that. Okay. But it's a good thought. But you could write a story and then I could read it. You could be the fan submitted story. We could flip flop. Mm-hmm. 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 About my scary no. bosses. <laughs> no, not flip flop. Joe could write the story and then I would read ah, it. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of horror stories, yeah. uh, you and I just watched a 2020 British horror film on Netflix called His House. We did. Uh, I thought it was excellent. It was really good. Yeah, really good. We watched it a few nights before this recording. It was one of our um, Annabelle watch party selections. Right. And it actually just won uh, the Remy Weeks, the writer-director, just won a BAFTA. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Just uh, two days ago, as of this recording, yeah. for outstanding debut by a British writer, director, or producer. So I just wanted to say kudos to Remy Weeks and also just put that out there where it, it just surprised me how good it was. It, it was a very different – I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. I thought it was a very different take on a – Haunted House. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for new horror movies, yeah, they're not they're not paying us or anything. I just yeah, just like to, it. Wanted to pass that along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you like to see me scream, lose my mind, pull the blankets <laughs> over my head, panic, like squish down into the couch, wish mm-hmm. I wasn't there. You could tune into the next uh, <laughs> watch party, Annabelle. This looks awesome. Watch party. Uh, yeah, that was the most I've seen you jump since The Conjuring many years mm-hmm. ago. A lot of jump scares. Yeah, they were just good, too, because they weren't where you expected them to be. Every yeah. time I thought, like, okay, yeah, here it comes, it would come, but then something else would happen that mm-hmm. would get me. It good. wasn't It wasn't the initial. It was the secondary. Good horror directors, uh, right? And I guess, you know, with good editing, too, have such a good sense of just, like, horror rhythm, mm-hmm. where just that, you know, keeping the tension, you know, uh, really palpable mm-hmm. and just keeping you off balance, mm-hmm. where when you think the jump's going to come, it doesn't and then when you relax it gets you yeah i love that it's like a roller coaster Mm -hmm. i feel like i'd be a really good horror movie director because i know where people expect it and i hate when it happens there ah i like it when it is totally when you're blindsided Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that me too uh we have a new item in the store at badmagicmerch.com right Mm -hmm. now for any bad magicians listening it's a bad magic rug Oh, yeah. 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 For spring, uh, three different sizes, two by three feet, three by five, four by six. Each color represents a piece of one of the podcasts. Time sucks, scared to death, is we dumb, also the secret suck, all represented by individual stripes. And yeah, very cool. Very very different item for us. Yeah. Yeah. We're just trying out some new things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can like it. You can not like it. But we're just... We're just spreading our wings a little bit. <laughs> uh, no word on the May charity yet. We haven't figured that out, but we will soon. So mm-hmm. probably we'll you know give that information, I guess, next week. Sounds good. And now it's horror time. It's time to... 
<laughs> I was going to say it's time to be a whore, but that's not what. <laughs> that's not right. It's a different. That's a different time. That's a different show. <laughs> How many stories do you have, uh, Lulu? I have. Well, I have two traditionally speaking, mm-hmm. and then I have a third very special piece of mm-hmm. bonus content from a young fan who wrote in his story. And yeah. I'm so excited. It's a, it's an original piece of work. That's awesome. From our fan, Handwritten. Trey. Handwritten. So sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two, uh, you know, one longer, one shorter. Mm-hmm. The longer one I'll tell first, and it centers around two men remodeling an old house, uh, restoring it, and uncovering some dark secrets. Okay, that sounds actually very viable. Yeah, yeah. And the second story is the story of the Green Lady of France's historic Chateau de Brazac. Uh, it's the ghost of a woman rumored to have been murdered many, many years ago, uh, who still allegedly haunts this stately home. I immediately went to Annie of Green Gables. That is not correct. That is not the same thing. But <laughs> not at all the same. That's what I started thinking. <laughs> Has green in it, though. <laughs> uh, uh, the scares don't start right away in the first one, but there's no real division between like setup and story. So we'll have to okay. dive right in. So before we do, you, okay. you get settled. Well, yeah. And I have extra special fuzzy socks on this week. Okay. My friend Lindsay down in Florida, uh, she recently uh, fostered and adopted yeah. two kids. And mm-hmm. they have like a very special, very unique story. And she sent me some fuzzy socks that say best bonus mom ever on them. Oh, that's awesome. So she has them and I have them and she sent this really heartfelt letter about it. So love you, Linz. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And let's get cozy. And, and you are the best bonus mom ever. Shanks. I try. Um, okay. So yeah, this is just um, don't know where this takes place. Don't know the full names of the main characters. Just a spooky tale from a dark and shadowy corner of the web. I love it. Okay. Hope you're ready to hear it. Do it. Time now for the tale of You Found It. Normally, Andrew never took contracting jobs from friends. He'd been running his own construction company for about seven years, and in that short time, he'd learned enough to know that working for friends typically was not a good idea. He was always willing to undertake a project for an acquaintance. After all, his town was fairly small, and there weren't that many people he didn't know having grown up there. But in terms of close friends, it was a no-go. In his experience, non-contractors usually had outlandish ideas about how they wanted their houses to look compared to the money they were willing to spend to get that look, and they always underestimated the time the project would take. And when that was a stranger you didn't care about, fine. Just an irritating part of the job. But when that non-contractor was a friend, it sometimes led to them not being a friend anymore. Mm-hmm. But when his old friend Victor called him one summer day, out of the blue, Andrew suddenly ignored all the reasons it wouldn't make sense to work with him. Victor and Andrew had been childhood best friends, the kind of, fr- the kind of kids you rarely see separate from one another. Victor had always been the louder one, the more outgoing one. Andrew had always been more cautious. And when they graduated high school, Victor went off to college out of state, and Andrew started working for his dad. They kept up at first, hanging out, knocking back some beers whenever Victor was back in town. But then within a year, Victor had dropped out of college for some kind of business opportunity, moved to New York, and almost all communication had stopped between them outside of the occasional text. Now, a decade later, Victor was hitting him up. Victor explained his whole project to him in great detail. He was very excited. Andrew looked around the office as they talked, the back room of his comfy bungalow, tried to follow Victor's enthusiasm. Yeah, so, Victor was saying, I like the city. I really like it. But I started thinking it would be nice for me to set up a quiet getaway someplace back home where I could still get some work done and help out my folks a bit. So I bought this old house. Real old house. Not in the best shape, but the bones are amazing. The guy who sold it said uh, there was a hoarder living there, and when she died, uh, he bought the house from her estate, cleaned it out, and, well, he kind of cleaned it out. It still needs a lot of work. The current plan is to fix it up and have my parents move in downstairs and then Airbnb the upstairs while I'm not there, generate a little extra cash flow, help my parents, and have a home base slash remote office. Three birds, one stone. Andrew nodded, even though there was uh, no one in the office except for him. 
Sounds like you got it figured out, dude, he answered. Don't know what you need me for. Are you kidding? Come on, said Victor. Of course I need you. I don't know. I know investing. I don't know shit about construction. Sure, I could just hire some random crew to come in, but this is a historic house. It has to be done right, or theoretically, I could end up paying some fines or something. I need someone good. Someone who cares about this project. Plus, it would be a good excuse to hang out again. Chat a bunch after way too many years of not keeping in touch. Yeah, but, Andrew stopped himself. His fingers hovered over the keyboard in front of him. He typed in the address Victor had given him and pulled up the house. The bones were good. It was beautiful, actually. It was a two-story Victorian house built in 1883, painted a fading baby blue with white shutters and a wraparound porch, and a tall brick chimney that uh, snaked up to the sky. It also looked somehow familiar, but Andrew couldn't decide how. He knew he'd never been to this house, but felt like he had memories of being inside it. It was a weird feeling. Andrew didn't just get into construction because his dad was a contractor. He genuinely liked it. He liked to work with his hands. He loved taking something from nothing to a structure that would live on for longer than he would. And he guessed he would also love restoring something that had been built long before he or his father, his grandfather, or even his great-grandfather had ever been a twinkle in someone's eye. Restoring something so historic would be a good challenge and good for his resume. The photos would look amazing on his website. But what? Victor said impatiently. If you don't want to, that's fine. I'll just... No, Andrew interrupted. I'll do it. Happy to do it. Happy to get in some hang time, too. His first minute on the job, Andrew started to wonder if he'd made the wrong decision regarding not working for friends. It looked like Victor had taken on this project partly so he could play home improvement guy. Driving up to the property under a dense gray sky, Andrew parked his truck and watched Victor walk out the front door wearing an expensive-looking utility vest and walking around in boots that looked like he had just taken them out of the box a few minutes earlier. He was looking forward to hanging out with Victor, but he did not want to work with a guy, any guy, who didn't know anything about construction. Victor flashed a big grin and pulled Andrew in for a hug, and then the two old friends caught up a bit before walking into the old house. Once inside, Andrew felt more convinced than ever that he remembered this place, that he knew it from somewhere. He tried to think. Had he maybe seen it on the local news? Hmm. Didn't seem likely. It wasn't that historic. Why would they have come here? He shrugged it off, and as Andrew walked around the house, he felt like he knew exactly what each room was going to look like before he entered it. When he mentioned all this to Victor, Victor just shrugged. Guess you just know a lot about architecture, he said. Probably just reminds you of other houses. Ready to rip up some carpets? That was the first project, to get anything they didn't want to keep out. As they worked, Victor told him that he, uh, what he knew about the house. So much weird stuff in here, dude. There were these weird holes, almost like peeping holes, in the walls of the bedrooms and the bathrooms, tons of family photos. There were some weird old books in the basement, too. What kind of weird old books, Andrew asked, lifting one hand to mop away some sweat. Like medical textbooks, I think. They weren't in English, but they had pictures of organs and dissections. There was some lab equipment in the attic. So much weird stuff. After getting rid of a lot of carpet, they tore any loose hanging wallpaper, working their way from the top floor to the basement, clearing each room completely as they worked. Not worrying about scraping every last bit of wallpaper off the walls or removing every last piece of the old carpet tack strips, they moved pretty fast and they made it to the basement with a few hours left in the day. It looked to Andrew like the basement had recently been converted. One half of the floor was concrete, and the other half was floorboards with thick carpeting set on top. They tore the carpet up and started ripping out the floorboards, and then Andrew saw it, a hole about five foot deep into the ground. Victor saw something down there and hopped into the hole after they tore out a few old warped floorboards. He then yelled, got it, and was handing up an old box to Andrew. It was about three feet long and pretty beat up. 
Victor opened it to reveal that the box's contents were wrapped in thick, heavy-duty black trash bags. Should we take it outside? Andrew asked Victor. Victor nodded yes. Which way do we come from again? Victor asked. Holding the box tentatively, Andrew walked over to the wall and pushed on a hidden spot that opened up a door to a small staircase that led to the main floor. So weird. Whoa, said Victor. How the hell did you know that was there? That was crazy. I, I, I don't know, said Andrew. I just had a feeling. Victor followed Andrew up the stairs, and soon the two of them were on the first floor hallway. Andrew was so confused. How had he known where to look for a secret hidden door? Why was there a secret hidden door that led to the basement? Or led up to the uh, first floor from the basement. Dude, Victor said, snapping Andrew out of his thoughts. The box? Oh yeah, right, said Andrew, and he took the box outside. He was suddenly inexplicably worried. He'd seen plenty of odd stuff when renovating houses. Creepy-looking dolls, old photos where no one smiled, out-of-print books, etc. None of it had ever filled him with dread until now. He knew something unsettling was inside the bag. As the sun started to set with the gray sky slowly turning inky black, he slowly undid the trash bag, the plastic catching on the corner of something flat and rectangular. He sighed in relief when he realized that it was just a painting. He saw the back first, the wire where it would have been hung on the wall. Then when he flipped it over, both he and Victor frowned, and he shivered with some chills. It was a painting of a person, but something was wrong with it. The face had been smeared when the paint was still wet. The pupils had been smeared black, the mouth a red swirl. Victor gasped a little. What the hell, he said, before adding, that looks like someone I saw in a family photo when I first bought this place. There were some other messed up paintings that looked like someone had put their hand all over them just like this one. I tossed them. I wonder why they went through all the trouble of putting this one in some plastic bags and hiding it. I don't know, Andrew said. This is some creepy shit. Just looking at the painting made him feel like something was crawling up his spine. He put it back in one of the trash bags and frowned. Okay, Victor said, rubbing his hands together. Whatever, who cares why they hit it? Who knows why hoarders hold on to anything? They're mentally ill. Sad if you really think about it. Let's pull out that last carpeting from the basement. We'll call it quits for the day. Dinner's on me. Andrew didn't want to go back in the basement. But he also didn't want Victor to think the painting scared him. Silently, he followed Victor back inside. It took a few tries for Victor to find the right door that led to the basement, even though Andrew knew immediately which one it was. Again, like he'd been there before. As they headed down the stairs, Andrew's senses dialed up to 11. He knew without thinking about it which boards would creak when he stepped on them. And he didn't like that he knew. It was almost like this place wanted him to feel like he was home, but he was not home. He had never been here before, for sure. Can a house try and trick you? Let's just grab the carpet and get out of here, Andrew said. Victor nodded. The carpet was rolled up and heavy and hard to maneuver up the stairs. Andrew went first, leading Victor at the, leaving Victor at the bottom level. Then as he backed up a step, he saw the top of Victor's head crane up towards the ceiling, and he heard Victor say, Hey, were there always chairs on the ceiling? Andrew's blood ran cold. What? The ceiling? What the hell was he talking about? He dropped his half of the carpet and shuffled back downstairs. Looking up, he saw exactly what Victor was talking about. Sure enough, there were chairs on the ceiling, like someone had glued them up there. Only they couldn't have done that because those chairs definitely hadn't been there just a few minutes earlier. Goosebumps. Andrew broke out with a real bad case of goosebumps. What the fuck? Victor was muttering, a little nervously, craning his neck around to try and figure out just what exactly was going on. Andrew grabbed his arm. Victor, he said, I, I think we need to get out of here, dude. You know I'm not one to get spooked, but I'm having some real bad feelings about this house. I felt weird the whole time we'd been inside. Something about this house felt weird the first time I looked at photos. Then as they both looked up the ceiling, one of the chairs scooted back. 
and twisted around a bit, two of the legs briefly coming off the ceiling before returning the way a chair on the floor would move when someone was getting out of it. Oh. Run, Andrew shouted. He turned to run back up the stairs. They were carrying the carpet up, and then the door slammed shut. Both men screamed and then ran across the basement to the secret door Andrew had opened earlier. Andrew and Victor ran up the tiny, narrow staircase they'd used to take the painting outside earlier, but now the door to the first floor was shut. Oh, shit. Actually, that's not quite right. There wasn't a door at the top anymore. There was a wall that felt entirely solid like cement. Something was wrong with the house. It was alive somehow, and it was fucking with them. Here, Victor called, pushing open a different door. Victor and Andrew walked into a room they hadn't seen before. It made no sense for this room to even exist based on what Andrew knew of the layout. It looked like it had been used for an office. Unlike the other rooms that were cleared out, there was a desk and a chair. Andrew watched the chair suspiciously, afraid it was going to move, but it didn't. On the desk were a few books that looked like those medical textbooks that Victor had mentioned, and then stuck in one of them, a piece of paper. Andrew grabbed it. It compelled him to grab it. The top read... You found it. The handwriting was somehow familiar. And then Victor's voice kept him from reading any further. Andrew, Victor was saying with an unsteady voice looking at the window. Andrew, Andrew, look. His voice was pure dread, hoarse and squeaky. And then Andrew looked. He saw the yard at first, the hill sloping down out front. And then he realized that Victor wasn't looking out the window. He was looking into the window and seeing the reflection. He was looking at what was standing behind them. Andrew watched horrified as five shadowy figures, two large, three small, stood in front of the door they just entered, blocking it. They looked like the silhouette of a family, but the edge of their shapes were smudgy. He was reminded of the painting, the smear of colors running dark. Andrew threw the medical textbook at the window, smashing the glass. Even though they were a floor up, Andrew knew he had to take a chance at getting out of the room by any means necessary. It was fight or flight time, and he wasn't about to fight whatever was happening. Whatever those things were, they were coming for him, and he took a deep breath and then quickly climbed out the window and tried to shimmy down the side of the house. Almost immediately, one of his feet slipped, and he clamped his hand down on the ledge, which was covered in small shards of glass that bit at his fingers. Andrew grimaced, let go, and dropped down, feeling the impact in his ankles, which thankfully didn't twist. Come on, he shouted. Victor, let's go! Victor followed him down unsteadily. When they were both on the ground, they turned and ran, and then Andrew tripped over something. The black trash bag. The painting. His foot had went right through the middle of the canvas, tearing a hole in the center. He thought he heard a scream of some kind come from the painting as he put his boot through it. He also felt a burst of pain flash through him, white hot, pain he'd only ever felt before when he'd broken bones, but worse. It was more like there was a hot knife in him struggling to get out, tearing him open from the inside. Andrew, Victor said, Andrew, what's going on? But Andrew couldn't speak. The world was a mass of swirling colors like ink, the shapes all blurred and distorted. He only managed to see the five figures walking calmly behind them as everything went dark. When Andrew awoke, he was in the hospital. He'd broken his ankle. He must have stress fractured it in the fall or something and then finished breaking it on the painting somehow. It didn't make sense, but that's what he told himself. Victor had driven him to the hospital and told the doctor that Andrew had had an accident at a construction site. And that by the time Andrew woke up, Victor was gone. He left a text on Andrew's phone letting him know that he had to go out of town suddenly and would catch up with him soon for the plans on the house. Andrew had no intention of going back to the house. Even if he'd wanted to get back to work, he couldn't do anything with his ankle messed up aside from some accounting and spreadsheet work. So that's what he did while he was holed up in his house for a few days, trying his best to think about everything he and Victor had seen in that house. He texted Victor a few times and he didn't text back. He called him and he didn't answer. He hoped maybe Victor just wanted to forget about what they'd seen. Then that night, when the mailman dropped off his mail, a strange letter immediately caught his eye. An envelope with no return address. 
She opened it to find a single, folded piece of paper inside. Unfolding it, the looping script at the top was both familiar and horrifying. You found it. He scanned the note, straining to read the small handwriting. It was a note about Victor's house. Why was someone writing to him about that house? According to the note's author, the Victorian house he'd been in had some sort of problem, and the owners came and uh, assumed that it had been mold or spores. The father had been a doctor and convinced he could figure it out. The mystery substance made the three children sick, so sick they couldn't leave their bedrooms. And then the substance seems to have started killing them. The first child died after the mother, the note's writer claimed, started working on a painting of the children for the father's birthday. She'd begun with the painting of the youngest child, and when the youngest child died around the time she finished her portrait, she went a bit crazy. She smeared the painting and hid it in the basement. Hysterical, her husband locked her in a secret office room while he tried to figure out what had killed his youngest child. He wrote entries in a journal about all of this. He didn't leave the house or let the family leave. He thought leaving would make the house angry. And if he made it angry, he knew it wouldn't let him fix everything. If he could just fix everything, he knew they'd all be okay. He could even bring his youngest back. With each entry, the journals or the doctor's journal got more and more crazy, and soon the writing devolved into unintelligible gibberish. Finally, after several days of being locked up, his wife broke out of that secret office room and found her husband and other two children dead. Now she took over the journal. She too became convinced she could fix everything. She just needed to stay in the house and think. The house would help her. She didn't know what she was supposed to find, but she knew it was in the house, and if she ever left, she'd never, ever find it. And then according to the author of the note, she died in the house as well. And then the note ended with, But you can save them, Andrew. You just have to go further. Go deeper. Past where you found the painting. The key is down there. You can fix this. Andrew threw the note across the desk. What the fuck? Who sent that? It felt like a weird prank, but Andrew knew it wasn't a joke. He knew that even though it was a small town and he had never, ever heard about a family of five dying in any house, he knew it was true. And that if he went back inside, he might join them. A few minutes later, while Andrew was still trying to wrap his mind around all this, his phone rang, an unfamiliar number. He answered, Hey, is this Andrew? The caller sounded like a young woman. She quickly explained that she was Victor's girlfriend. She asked him if he'd heard from Victor recently. (gasps) Nope, nothing for days. She hadn't heard anything from him since the day before he'd worked with him and broke his ankle. Andrew's blood ran cold. All of a sudden, he realized why the handwriting in the note looked familiar. It was Victor's handwriting. Why would Victor want him to go back to that house? Had the house been speaking to Victor before he showed up? Was Victor there now? Was he as dead as that family? Did he write the note? Did he really write it? Or did the house itself somehow write and send it? He thought of those five dark figures. Was Victor the sixth now? Did the house want him to be the seventh? Or did the house want to to help him? Could he save them? Andrew's mind now started thinking thoughts that didn't feel entirely his own. Powerful, compelling thoughts that took his mind over. Yes, he thought. Yes, yes, maybe he could fix everything. He just had to go there. He just had to go deeper. A few minutes later, gripping the steering wheel tightly, Andrew's hands seemed to move on their own accord, swinging the car around to the exit and taking the side road on the way to the house. He had to go back and help his friend. He could fix this. He'd found it, and he could fix it all. The house would help him. That's it? Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck you in these stories that don't end with a real ending. God bless. I'm so sick of it. (laughs) I haven't done one in a little while, I don't think. Ah, like two weeks ago. (laughs) I know, because other people on Patreon were like, oh my God, stop doing this to me. It's so painful. Oh, man. I thought that you were going to do like a a ending like that earlier in the story. I was waiting, Mm -hmm. waiting, and then you kept going. And I was like, oh, okay, he's not going to do it this time. Oh, jeez. Gotta keep you off balance. Well, I don't like it. 
It's not off balance. It's annoying. There's no resolution. Is Victor mm. in the house? Where's Andrew? Did Andrew make it to the house? You add your own ending. I don't. This isn't choose your own adventure, Dan. <laughs> I want definitive answers. I, I I don't like it if they all wrap up too tidy. I know, but I like all things neat and orderly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're different that way. <laughs> and of course, this is one of those stories that's you know uh, you have to suspend disbelief more than some. This sure. is just like some random account, and uh, could it be some kind of creepy pasta type story? Yeah, it could. Or who knows? Maybe it has elements of uh, truth according to the author, or we just don't know. I like these mysteries. It would be a great movie. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Something. Yeah. Those chairs upside down on the ceiling. I don't know why, but that really fucked me up. I didn't... That'd be terrifying to witness. It just was so... Have it inverted like that. It's so particular. And then to see it move like someone was getting out of it, like all flipped. Mm Mm-hmm. And then rooms where there shouldn't be rooms and just like a weird hidden... It's like, uh, were they hallucinating? Maybe. Maybe that's why the doctor thought it was asbestos or mold or spores or something because it was making them all... Making them think crazy things. Hallucinate. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The chairs, I, I was half expecting someone to be in the chair. I was thinking that the doctor had done uh, weird experiments on people where he strapped them the chairs, two chairs upside down. Oh. Draining their blood. Or, that would I don't be, know. That would be a creepy sight of like the chair up there. And then, then there's some like shadowy figure sitting in the chair, some type of apparition that just gets up and like is walking along the ceiling and then uh. down the wall. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no pictures attached to the story oh. specifically, but I found just um, I was thinking of like 19th century Victorian houses mm-hmm. and just Googling uh, 19th century Victorian haunted house. I came up with these three images that I just think are yep, all that just seems spooky. Correct. <laughs> That's, um, Can you imagine moving in the house. Uh, no, that would actually never fucking happen. Ugh. I wouldn't even buy that house. Yeah, this one. This one's particularly beat up. The next two are creepy, but not as beat up. Check out this this next one um, that up that window. Uh, not the very top in the middle, but the next one down. There's probably a curtain, but it looks like a person. That is creepy to me. Oh, the second one down from the top on yep. the, in the left? No, the se- very, in the middle. Uh, yes, but in the left pane yes. of the window. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also that other window to the left that mm. has those like pillars. Yeah. That's kind of creepy mm. too. Yeah, something's going on there. And then one more, just another 19th century Victorian. And then oh, this that one, one looks cute. Yeah, it's not. At, yeah, it's nicer. But I think that little window up top in the middle, something I don't like about that. Hmm. And, and I don't like that in the turret style on the left, the mm-hmm. center window. I don't like it either. Hmm. I like that house. It looks like it belongs in Canada. Huh. I immediately had like warm, fuzzy thoughts of Canadian people. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> I don't know why. Ah. I, I, I guarantee you it's like someone I follow on Instagram lives in Canada. Yeah. And that's a similar house to what they have. Like, uh-huh. Some association. So, some weird, silly internal association. Yikes. Upside down chairs. That's all I'm going to be able to think about. Mm-hmm. So bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the no resolution. Just want to make that clear. Okay. In case you missed me saying it. Right. I'm saying it again. Okay. No, thank you. Uh, this Well, this, this next story has more resolution. Okay. Um, you at least know the backstory of why there is supposedly a ghost in this place mm-hmm. and that it continues to, to haunt. And yeah, it, it, it all makes it's, it makes more sense. Okay. Do you want to hear it? Mm, can I say no? Nope. Okay. You can, then. but it doesn't matter. We keep going. <laughs> what if I just started walking out in the middle of the show? <laughs> Bye. Bye. I don't like this one. <laughs> just talk to an empty chair. Okay. We have more scares. Before we head to France, time for a quick in-between story sponsor break. 
Thanks for listening to our sponsors, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you heard some deals that appealed to you. Okay, ready for some history? I just did a big yawn, and I'm really sorry. I'm not even tired. I had 10 hours of sleep. Well, we talked about we've both felt super sleepy the last week and a half. Don't know why. Well, we've been I'm, fighting it. I'm feeling better. It's a new moon, so mm. that helps. That, like at the end of a moon, you can feel really drained and tired. Huh. I, bl- I blame it on weather. It's like warm, cold, warm, cold, sunny, mm. gray, sunny, gray. It's like real uh, all over Frenetic. the place right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. A uh, little bit of setup here. Just south of the French city of Angers, or uh, excuse me. Angers, there we go. In the picturesque Loire River Valley stands the Chateau de Brazac, built almost a thousand years ago by the Counts of Anjou in the 11th century. Its two medieval towers stretched far higher than any neighboring structure when it was built, casting an imposing shadow, reminding all who saw it that its owner was not to be messed with. A millennia ago, castles were built to both be a structure to take refuge in and as a visual display of one's power and capability for violence. The size and formidable construction of the structure itself was intended to strike fear into the hearts of visitors and remind them of the weapons, tombs, and their own mortality. These days, the Chateau de Brazac terrifies visitors for a different reason. The old castle has gone through several makeovers over the years, and the beginning of its relatively modern appearance dates back to the 15th century, when it was rebuilt as a fort-like structure by one of King Charles VII's ministers. During subsequent wars that broke out throughout the 16th century, the chateau was taken over by Henry of Navarre, soon to become King Henry of the uh, Fourth of France. When Henry became the King of France, the chateau was given to Charles II of Cassé as a reward for his support. Along with the castle, Charles was also awarded a title, the Duke of Brazac. He renamed his castle fittingly the Chateau de Brazac and decided to undergo an enormous renovation project that would take the medieval castle and transform it into a Renaissance palace. The Duke intended on removing both the medieval towers, but he died before the project could be completed. And today you can see both towers resting against the Renaissance castle or, you know, Renaissance palace with the back portions of the towers cut away. They give the manor a very unique and somewhat intimidating appearance. The perfect setting for a ghost to haunt its halls. Time now for the tale of the Green Lady of the Chateau de Brazac. In 1462, the castle was in the possession of Jacques de Brazé, uh... Seneschal, or Seneschal of Normandy, <laughs> all these terms, these old noble terms, uh, Seneschal of Normandy and favored noble in the court of King Charles VII. Charles VII decided that Jacques would be a good husband for his illegitimate daughter Charlotte, the child born from his affair with a courtesan named Agnes Sorel. Despite the circumstances of her birth, Charlotte was a particular favorite of both the king and surprisingly the queen, and her engagement was seen as politically expedient a stroke of genius by a king who wanted to reward his closest allies and extend their ties even closer. But according to legend, this amazing match would end in tragedy. From the beginning, it was clear that Charlotte and Jacques had very little in common. Jacques was a huntsman who enjoyed the outdoors. Charlotte was more interested in court life in Paris. Having no real choice in the matter, she joined Jacques at the Chateau, which was at that time a drafty castle in the countryside. There they continued to be married, but there was no love between them. They slept in separate quarters, rarely saw one another apart from mealtimes. And soon, Charlotte would find some pastimes to entertain herself with, while her husband was off hunting and generally ignoring her. Before long, according to local rumor, Charlotte had begun an affair with a man named Pierre de Laverne, a huntsman in her husband's retinue. Uh, Pierre lavished attention and affection on the unhappy Charlotte, and they soon found themselves in the midst of a passionate love affair. That would, of course, end in tears, screams, and blood. Mm-hmm. One night, after a long day of hunting and feasting, Jacques returned to his castle only to find his wife in bed with her lover. 
Still dressed from a long day of hunting, Jacques was carrying an axe, and overcome with rage at being disrespected, he immediately withdrew it and attacked both Pierre and Charlotte, allegedly not stopping until he had delivered over 100 total blows. Holy crap! By the time he was done swinging, Charlotte and Pierre were both very, very dead. He had hacked them literally to pieces. Jacques would never be charged in their murders, but he would suffer because of what he had done. Well, he was a he was a noble. I don't care. You got away with stuff back then. Night after night, following the killings, he was plagued by the moaning of what he believed to be the ghost of his dead wife. Her cries kept him up throughout the night. They tormented him to the point that he left his beloved castle and never returned. To anyone who asked him why he had left such a majestic abode, he would only mutter about the wailing. And she has supposedly never stopped wailing. Victors today... Visitors today, excuse me, I think I said Victor from the first story. Visitors today still claim to hear her death cries. Even more disturbing, some of the tourists who visit the picturesque castle today claim to actually see her in what were her final moments. They report stumbling upon a horrifying sight in Jacques and Charlotte's old bedroom, a vision of the mutilated corpses of Charlotte and her lover. Other times, Charlotte is seen floating through the castle wearing a green dress. This has happened often enough over the years to earn her the nickname of the Green Lady. And if you should see the green lady and she should look at you, you'll only see gaping holes where her eyes and nose should be. You'll see a bloody face battered by the sharp edge of a hunting axe. Today, the chateau is still owned by the Dukes of Brzezac and is the residence of the current and 13th Duke. Wow. The Dukes of the Chateau and their families have shared in recent years that strange sightings of Charlotte's ghosts continue. That living with her still tormented spirit just comes with living in the long haunted Chateau de Brzezac. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have claimed to see this uh, spirit over the years. See or hear. I think it's... Or and or hear. I think it's most interesting that if you see her, mm-hmm. that you see her, it sounds like in one of two ways. Bloodied. Uh-huh. Death. Dead. Near death. Right. Or just like floating along, minus her right. face being put together. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not, and it actually did sound like some of the sightings, um, if you're just floating by, may not have... I don't know if maybe either didn't see the face or the face wasn't mutilated. Yeah. But yes, it's like when the, seems like when she turns to look at people, mm-hmm. it's pretty grotesque. Mm-hmm. I thought I saw something interesting happening behind you, but so I kept kind of, mm-hmm. there's some sort of shadowy situation. <laughs> Eek. Uh, I have I'm some... waiting for one of those dolls to come to life oh and gosh. just like tickle the back of your neck. We're going to find a good haunted doll store. I haven't done one of those in a little while. Mm-hmm. Those are always super creepy. Uh, cool photo of oh, yeah. Chateau de Brazac here. Okay. Wow. I mean, it's just a great picture someone great took. Great picture, but also huge, beautiful castle. Uh-huh. And, and I, interesting, I never... like a hybrid, like half castle, half manor, like, like the way it was converted. But Oh, yeah. See, like the, the small turrets there in the front, and then like they built this big palace uh, like on, you know, in the back of it. Oh, you don't, you think it was just two turrets? No, it was more than that, but I doubt it looked like that when it was, I mean, it's gone through several like, uh. Uh, renovations, hmm. remakings over the years. It is crazy that it's been around for about a thousand years. Do you want to buy it? Yeah, it's, it's probably what? You'd think like a couple hundred thousand? Yeah, not even. <laughs> it's like chump change. I thought this was a cool picture of the old castle too. Uh, just like a different kind of angle on it. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> that's Castle Grayskull from He-Man. I, was, I thought it was that's He-Man. A, that's a toy. I had that exact castle when I was little, and I would say for a solid year to two years, that was my absolute favorite toy. How old were you? Uh, I was real young when I had okay. the Castle Grayskull. I want to say like five, six okay. in that range. Same. Same? Oh, oh. Cute. Nice. You guys, uh. you guys, I don't remember He-Man at all. Huh. 
Like at all. It's not even a well, memory in my brain. Yeah, I guess. I mean, and I'm older than Joe. So right. Joe had it. Was, it. it was still still around, but uh, I doubt it. I doubt it held your interest. Hmm. Okay. This this was next, it a cartoon? It was a cartoon. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think we were allowed to watch cartoons for quite a while. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But no, no Simpsons. Oh boy. Yeah. My, my mom was weird about TV. <laughs> uh, this next one is the uh, inside of Castle Grayskull. Awesome. Uh-huh. Thank you this, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. He-Man is, uh, he's supposed to be there. He's sitting on his throne. He's supposed to be there. Uh-huh. Uh, Skeletor on the bottom floor, he is not supposed to be there. Oh. Uh, he's always trying to take the castle from He-Man. Okay. And I uh, really have to keep an eye on Skeletor and his snake men. And I think that guy in the top is uh, Hordak. Who's mm-hmm. kind of a bad guy? Who you know he's not really with Skeletor, but they have the same agendas. He and looks it, like a little uh, like lizardy. Mm-hmm, this little lizardy, and then there's I think that's him, and then uh, and then that's Shira, uh, also on the second floor, and she She-Ra. she's like one of He Man's buddies. You know, I think there's something going on between them. <laughs> you know, but it's never like 100 percent confirmed. Okay, okay. So I just wanted to throw out some He Man stuff. Thank you. And, Wait, there's one other person that you didn't address. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know who that. I can't remember who that. Got to call that, you out that, on that. that. How big of a fan were you? If uh, well, it's been a few years. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's been a, it's been a few years since I've watched. Okay. Uh, and then the, <laughs> this last uh, picture actually is one final picture of the Chateau de Brizac. Just mm-hmm. another cool photo, a little bit you know different angle, taken uh, from further back. I guess. Uh, pretty much the same photo. The same angle, but taken from further back. Sure. Yeah. No inside photos. No interiors. I didn't. Uh, nope. No. Hmm. I'm curious about the inside. Is it modernized? Is it not? It's very. Uh, what should I say? Elegant, stately, mm, very stately, but very expensive looking. Mm. Yeah, very, very, very. Well, like I guess what you'd think of, like a, a palatial estate of mm-hmm. a, a noble's palatial mm-hmm. estate that's been in their family for thirteen generations and super, super old. I just think of like terribly uncomfortable beds. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like a place where um, kids would be comfortable just running around and causing a ruckus. Okay, it looks like everything that you could possibly break would be super expensive. <laughs> I should probably never and go so there. so many things to break. I'm yeah. so klutzy. I don't think it would be good for us. It wouldn't be good for our pocketbook. Oh, boy. And those oh pictures, boy. if you're a new listener, those pictures are on our Instagram and Facebook that uh, you can check out that we refer to, uh, Scared to Death Podcast. Did you see my little friends that I brought to work today? No, you got two new little buddies. Okay, listen. That I've little had... dude and a little lady? These are two black-eyed children. Oh. Now, I feel terrible. <laughs> that's that's because awesome. We've had these for a while. And they've been on my desk. And every time I come in here to record, I'm like, oh, I'm going to bring them with me. So now, of course, it's been so long. I can't remember which awesome fan sent them in. Oh, man. Check this out. Please let us in. We're just two lost young people. So could you please open the door and let us in? That's awesome. They put that inside of it. What's the other one do? Open the door. Let us in. Let us in. Spoopy. That is a super cool gift. Isn't that so cool they made these and put those little voice boxes in them? So th- so thank you. Uh, sorry, sorry, we don't Super have. Fan. Yeah, we don't have your your name. I know I'm the worst. You know what happens? Just to be really transparent, yeah, is we get cool stuff mm-hmm. shows up. I open the box, I read the note, I get so excited. Mm-hmm. I hand it off to Logan. He photographs it, and then all the fan letters get filed away. Yeah, and then the fan art gets put up in the studio somewhere, and they're separated, and it's my fault. I should keep them together. To, you have to work on a, I, I love to keep all the uh, the notes. We'll have to work on a better doc. It's yeah, maybe maybe someday we can get like a better documenting system. I don't know, Dan. We're very thankful that these things come in because we keep the notes and then we have them pressed into a book. Mm-hmm. Pressed is not the right word, but made into a book. It's very cool. Yeah, what's that company? Archive. 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 It's very cool. They don't sponsor the show, but we can talk about them anyways. <laughs> it's like it, the intention of Archive was for busy parents. Yeah. You know, when you're a kid, you keep like all that macaroni art and all these things. Uh-huh. And after a certain point, you feel like, oh. 
You got boxes of stuff. Right. And, and, and you don't want to get rid of it, but also it's serving no purpose in your life. Yeah. It's not like you're pulling out that box every week. So you contact them. They send you a box. You fill the box with your kid's stuff. They photograph it and then make it into like a Shutterfly-esque book. Yeah. And then they send you all the stuff back with the book. Right. And you can either throw away the stuff. Right. Which is what we've done. Um, but now you have the, the memory. Exactly. Yeah. So there you have it. Okay. I got two plus one. Fun thing. Fun. Okay. Who's squishy? The the new uh, Layla trailer. Trailer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Trailer. Whole hatchet face. <laughs> oh. Well, it looks like uh, it looks like her stitches are releasing a little bit. A little bit. She seems less deformed been, this week. She's been doing some rehab. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. She's doing her exercises. Mm-hmm. Doing her face exercises to make her face be less wounded. Does she do this? Like if that's a thing. She probably does that. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Just puffs her cheeks out. She puffs her cheeks out. <laughs> Actually. That's what, the, that's what the doctor's like. You just got to puff your cheeks out for a couple years, and then your face won't have a hatchet wound anymore. Do you know that I do facer size? I do know that. Mm-hmm. And this is an actual real face exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay has puffed her cheek out like a chipmunk, and then he's <laughs> slapping her mouth with her two fingers. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> I hear the guys laughing. Yeah. 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 That sounds legit. These are the things that I do like in the in the bathroom, like a lot of like You're probably immortal now. My face probably is. I don't know mm-hmm. about the rest of me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I'm trying to take care of myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been a while since we had a uh a Hatman story. Oh yeah. Or a Shadow Man. What if you combined them? I think that I think the Hatman is a Shadow Man. That's mm-hmm. what they think. Well, so they're combined. What if that hat shadow guy stuck like with you for twenty years? That's scary. What were you mm-hmm. gonna say? Oh, I, I, I thought there were two different entities. I was like, well, maybe the hat man has like a shadow minion man. Ooh, okay, okay. And you've never seen a hat man or a shadow person. I have not. Right? I don't know. No, no like Me clearer either. memory of that. Definitely not like the hat man. Definitely not the sleep paralysis where you feel like there's a shadowy entity by the by your bed. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced that. Thankfully, okay. okay. Do not want to. I've been reading so many stories because we have to work pretty far ahead to get everything ready for the second edition of the book. Yeah. And some people see some crazy things just and are 100% awake. Like they're even Uh, thinking, yeah. Okay. Make sure this isn't sleep paralysis. Right. Right. Anyways, that is not this story, but I've been thinking about shadow people a lot lately. Okay. Which is yeah, amazing that I slept well last night because <laughs> it's to like have that on the brain. in my head. Um, but let's let's talk to our friend Mike here and see what is going on with him. Okay. Hello, guys. I'm a creep and a space lizard, and I love you all. The two other people in my story may not want their names known, so so their names have been changed. But other than that, I swear on my children, the rest is true. My name is Mike, and the shadow person in the hat might be my oldest friend. I'm 34 years old now, but back when I was in my early teens, my best friend, Norman, and I were starting to get into the occult. I'm still into it, and I'm raising my kids to be open-minded to the paranormal while still having a healthy dose of skepticism. Anyways, Norman and I were 13 or 14 years old when we got into our Wicca phase, which I... I'm sorry, which led to a need for further study into the odd shit on the other side of the veil. Long story short, we attempted to make a scrying mirror to see ooh, <laughs> to see if we could contact the other side. Now, this is from Wikipedia, because I didn't know what a scrying mirror was, so just yeah, before I we dig into it, 
Good. Okay, glad. Glad that I included this. Scrying, also known by various names such as seeing or peeping, is the practice of looking into a suitable medium in the hope of detecting significant messages or visions. The objective might be personal guidance, prophecy, revelation, or in or inspiration, but down the ages, scrying in various forms also has been a prominent means of divination or fortune-telling. It remains popular huh. in occult circles discussed in many media, both modern and centuries old. Okay, I hadn't, okay. Heard, of it, I hadn't heard of it in relation to a mirror, mm-hmm. but I've heard of that as far as like with fortune-telling. Okay, okay. All right, so that, I wanted to lay that groundwork. Cool. The rule Norman and I established beforehand was if you see something, you ask the other person if they see anything. If they don't see anything, you're losing your mind. If they do see something, they have to describe it before you do. This was an attempt to confirm a sighting without accidentally influencing the other person. On the first use of the mirror, we saw him, tall, thin, and made of shadow. He seemed to be wearing a suit and sporting a top hat. His eyes are so hard to describe. They weren't red, but they were imposed with the idea of the color red. I know that doesn't make sense, but I have no other way of describing it. I told Norman that I saw something, and he perfectly described what I could see. However, if we turned to look behind us, he wasn't there. Oh my God, I would stop right there. He only appeared in the mirror. After having what seemed to be a solid experience, we decided to try a ritual to see if this was a sign of some good juju that we could ride on. We meditated until reaching a state of open-mindedness, there's a term for this, but I can't remember it right now, and used the same method of I see something do you that seemed to work with the mirror. Again, to shorten the story, we saw a castle. Upon entering it, it was like we were physically there. We would describe what we were seeing and hearing down to the details, like the color and texture of stones that we could see. Then the best, or worst, part of the story. Norman heard the voice of our mutual friend. Let's call him Gary. I confirmed I heard Gary say, Who's that? Where are you? We looked for him for a while, and I got the dipshitted idea to mentally ask for the help of the man in the top hat as a spirit guide. Fuck, I'm such a Darren. (laughs) I didn't call him man in the top hat in my thoughts. I'll explain that in a minute. As soon as I asked for his help, I saw his face. Not in front of me, but as if his face was the only thing that existed, and he smiled and nodded. I could see his fingers were long, as though they had an extra segment on each one. I did not tell Norman about this because I immediately knew I had made a mistake. He did, however, lead us to Gary. Gary was stuck under a staircase somehow when we tried to help him. After failing and hearing what sounded like hooves running down a hallway, we broke our focus and left Gary behind to fend for himself. Sorry, man. Norman and I found ourselves back in his room out of breath and missing a couple hours of time. What? Shaken and exhausted, we ended our oddly odd sleepover by trying to sleep. Norman fell asleep quickly, but the man in the top hat wouldn't let me sleep. First he started he first he stared, then whispered. I couldn't entirely understand what he was saying, but it's gotten easier over the past couple of decades. Two days later, Monday, Norman and I were sitting with Gary in the library at school. We were all reading our occulty books, trying to hide them. The satanic panic was still strong in the late 90s in rural Iowa, and we almost got kicked out of school for those books. Gary brought up the topic of dreams. Norman and I looked at each other for a moment, but waited to see what Gary was going to say. Gary said, I had the weirdest dream about a castle. 
I saw both of you there, and you tried to help me get unstuck from something, but then you left me before a centaur-looking thing came for me. Fuck. Norman and I made and reached each other's gaze, and Norman asked Gary if he was stuck under a staircase. Gary's eyes got real wide. First he looked up shocked and then confused and then very sad, as if to say, why didn't you help me? The whole time he described his dream, I faded in and out of attention. I was focused on the giant tube computer screen in front of me. In the reflection was the man in the top hat. He was staring at me with a warning in his eyes. Norman and I talked about the man in the top hat a lot after that night, and I eventually lied right to my best friend's face. When Norman told me he could only see the hat man in the mirror, I said it was the same for me. I don't know why I lied to him. I don't know why I could see the hat man standing in the room then. And I don't fully understand why he's in the room with me now. I've known him for 20-ish years, and he's never been away for long. Quick wrap-up details, I've been to a therapist and I've had counseling for different things and meds for depression, etc. I drink and very occasionally <laughs> smoke a little of the devil's lettuce, but nothing much. <laughs> the man in the top hat is not the only entity I see, and I'd love to know what they are and why I can see them. If you choose to share this already too long story, please ask our community, how in the hell do I deal with this and why am I like this? With love and great wishes, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Oh, and he says, P.S., do not ask for his name, and if he offers it, say no. Ugh. He doesn't want to get too close to that guy. What a what an insane thing. For, for whatever reason, like let's say it was mental illness or just, you know, like imagination. Mm -hmm. No matter what the reason, paranormal, whatever, to see this entity around you year after year. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, that would be terrible. For 20 years. Well, and I take... Mike saying that, you know, he's been to therapists, he's had counseling. Right. I'm, sure he's like, met, I'm sure he's talked to a lot of people about this. Right. And he's like tried to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that if being medicated made the hat man go away. Yeah. Then he would have said that. Yeah, sure. So I don't sure. think that it's mental illness. Right. Right. And by illness, I just mean like dealing with some shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean that I think that Mike's crazy. It's like. Right, exactly. I deal with depression every day. So. Oh, yeah. Not, we all have something. Yeah. Just yeah. that term mental illness makes it sound so much more severe than maybe just being slightly depressed. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, I, I had another thought. I wrote something down, too, just to go. This doesn't have to do with that. But, like, going back when you were talking about how they almost got kicked out of school for, mm -hmm. like, their satanic books. Mm -hmm. That's so insane when you really think about it. You should be able to openly read a satanic book in the middle of fucking class if it's a public school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is America. Like, you know, it's supposed to be like, what, religious freedom? It's supposed to be freedom? That shit drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, if one of our kids wanted to read a book like that in school and yeah. they got in trouble, I would go fucking off. I know you would. On that school. <laughs> oh, my God. I would want to fucking burn and pillage that school. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that, but that, that, just made me, that just made me angry in the middle of that story. I'm like, let them read their fucking books, you, you assholes. Well, there's, no, there's nothing to say that they they were just afraid they'd get in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't say they did get in trouble. Right. Just said they didn't want to get in trouble. I went full West Memphis 3 in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm like, just leave them alone. It's okay. <laughs> We're all used uh, to your temper here. <laughs> um, but I think it's crazy that, I, well, first of all, I love that Mike and Norman had this really good system of, I see something. Do you see something? Yeah. And then the other person would say, yes. and the other yes. person would describe it first. I love, I mean, I don't know how old they were when they were doing this. I don't think he said, but I was like, wow. oh yeah, they were 13 or 14. Like, wow, that was pretty smart of you. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have thought of that. 
Yeah, just to try and verify that, like, uh, you're not just making it up in your head. Mm-hmm. Man, that, and that first... And, well, and that you're not saying, I see a man with a hat, and then the other person kind of looks harder and is like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, me too. But do you? You right. never know. But and in if you this flip scenario, it back and forth mm-hmm. to let each person kind of have something verified, because that would be so ridiculous if you clearly in your mind you are seeing a dude with a hat, and then you ask your, and then you don't say anything about it, mm-hmm. and then you ask your little friend, "Hey, what do you see?" And they're like, "A dude with a hat." Yep. I mean, that would have scared the living shit out of me. That first part with like the mm-hmm. the the hat guy was showing up in the mirror. In that moment, when they both saw it, I would be like, "We're getting rid of these fucking books. We're burning them. We're, we're breaking this mirror. And we're done." We're not doing this anymore. Not these two. They kept oh, going. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they are paranormally braver than I. I mean, I say that. I mean, maybe this the powerful curiosity would just like, yes, it would scare you, but then it would drive you deeper because now you've been given a taste of like, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. Maybe that would be the reaction too in the moment. Man, that's intense. What about the dream scenario with Gary? So, uh, yeah, that was I – and mean, they lost time. Yeah, I thought – Hours, he said. That, that was – Almost, I think, I don't know what was worse, the seeing the hat man in the mirror but not in the room, or Uh, the two of them meditating, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to bring their vibration to a higher level, and then kind of floating out into this other existence, which, I mean, that's truly what you try to do in meditating, right? You just try to, like, leave your brain. Um, And then they have this whole scenario unfold. Yeah. They didn't tell Gary about it. Gary brought up the dream on Monday. And then somehow Gary, it seemed like Gary had a very strong emotional response of like, that's weird that you guys were there. Wait, you guys were there? And then like, oh my God, you guys left me. Like, <laughs> Gary was really sad. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, that's super, super weird too. Uh, the, 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 the reflection still scares me more. Okay, yeah, it's it all, does. Yeah, it's all just super weird. Okay. Uh, the, somehow I feel like the deep, I can see what you're saying. The mirror is almost scarier because you're really seeing it in real time mm-hmm. you know that's almost and tangible you're, and but. you're not and they weren't at that point trying to work themselves up and yes that's weird that gary had like an emotional reaction to it right. but like you know they were trying to get to this state like this some kind of heightened meditative state where then you know your imagination who knows what can happen can maybe kind of take over for some parts of that um you're trying to go on some kind of vision quest yeah but initially when you're just starting off and you're not trying to do that and then you both see the same thing that that to me would would be more indicative of something That'd be harder to write off as not being paranormal. I just have a hard time with the Gary thing because Gary wasn't with Norman and Mike. He didn't yeah. know that they were on this vision quest. He didn't. Yeah. He might not have even known that they had a sleepover. He just randomly brought up dreaming on Monday at school and was like, God, I had the weirdest dream this weekend. That. Oh, that's right. Gary brought that up, right? Yes. Okay. I was I was taking some notes and you know I'm not the great, best multitasker. I, I, know. I, I missed that detail. Um, oh, so Gary. Okay. Yeah, I did miss that. Gary brought it up, and then they both had that same weird experience, trance. Yeah, so Mike and Norman were doing the meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary's Gary's not anywhere near them. Mm -mm. Then Monday at school, they're looking at their satanic books, Mm -hmm. and Gary's like, oh, yeah, I had this very strange dream. And then he explains to Mike and Norman what his dream was about, and they're both like, oh, that's what we were. We were there. Man. Yeah, that is incredibly hard to, like, rationalize away. Yeah, because, like, how does that cosmically work? How are you connected like that? Yeah, don't know. Fascinating. Really, really, really fascinating. Are you ready for one more? How's Trayla holding up? Uh, Good. Okay, she's good. good. Trayla's doing fine. Okay, now, on multiple occasions, we've talked about my intense fear of accidentally buying a haunted house. Yeah. Just, I mean, like, there's the the obvious reasons, but then there's the emotion, you know, when you find a house, you're like, oh my God, I love this house. And then there's the money. Yeah. How long 
do you think you could last in a haunted house that we were uh, like invested in? It depends. I mean, it, it entirely depends on how haunted it was because okay. we've talked about that before too, that there are spirits that seem to have some kind of, you know, a malevolent energy mm-hmm. attached to them mm-hmm. that, are, that are trying to harass people, you know, seem like very intentionally trying to scare people, frighten people, harm people. Yeah. And then there are other entities where people are like, oh, that's just Marge. You know, whatever, like that's just like a ghost that uh, we hear their footsteps sometimes. Mm-hmm. They open up doors, but we never get a bad feeling. I think I could acclimate to that, to the to the harmless entity. If it was something malevolent, and then it just depends on the level of it. You know, like uh, like that Ernie Rivers poltergeist activity yeah. a while back where like light bulbs are exploding. Things are getting like thrown around the room. Things are uh, being thrown at people and hitting yeah. them. Yeah. I'd be out pretty fucking quick if, I- if I'm being pelted with things. If if the energy is malevolent, I'm immediately out because I don't want it to escalate. But it does depend on finance too. I I know Where, I know right. You removing know, that. Oh, as, removing that, I'd be out quick. But even if I was being pelted with something, if I was going to lose my ass, I, I might I might darn it up and just be like, nope. Gotta 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 stay here. Yeah yeah. Well, let's see how long this family can last. Yeah. Okay. Hey Dan and Lindsay. My name is Jason, and first, I want to say keep up the great work. I really enjoy listening to the podcast, and I get excited for every new episode. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. My story starts in the end of 2012 when I was serving in the Army and received orders from Hawaii to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. My wife and I started looking for a new house. We found the perfect house for our small family, a big backyard for our daughter to run around, and plenty of room for the dogs, which my wife trains and shows professionally. With us being in Hawaii and the new house being in Tennessee, right near the border of Kentucky, we couldn't actually go and look at the house ourselves, so we sent a friend who lived nearby. They they said it was a very nice little house and nothing of note to be concerned about. We bought the house, sight unseen, and were excited to move in and make it our own. Everything that happened was spread out within the three years that we lived in that house. While sometimes events would happen close to one another, it wasn't an everyday occurrence. When we first arrived, we thought we had made the right decision. It was perfect for us. After a couple of nights there, things seemed a little weird. My daughter was almost two when we moved in, and her vocabulary was not where we thought it should be for her age. We took her into the army doctors to see if there was anything wrong, and all they said was, she's perfectly healthy, and she'll talk when she's ready. When we had moved in, she said two or three words consisting of mama, dada, and nanas, Nana's was her weird way of asking for milk. (laughs) Oddly, after about a week of moving in, she started waking up and yelling, Bobby! Clear as day, over and over. We thought it was a little strange, but we weren't concerned about it. After a few more weeks in the house, her vocabulary picked up immensely. The first really strange thing that happened to me was when Aaron and Cadence were out of town visiting family, and I stayed home for work. In the Army, you have to be up super early to go to PT, physical training, Mm. uh, to start the day. When I set an alarm to get up for something, I set it a couple minutes before I actually have to wake up. If I have to be up by 5, I set it for 4.58 or 5.02. It's just this weird thing I do. When I went to bed that night, everything was fine and normal until I was awoken by every toy in my daughter's room making noise all at the same time. I jumped out of bed and checked the clock. It was 4.58. I guess I'd forgotten to set my alarm that night. I started to get dressed for PT, and then all the toys went silent. I went to check her room and saw nothing out of the ordinary. Weird, yes, but I wasn't concerned. So while walking out the door, I yelled, Thank you! And left, chalking it up to some sort of weird coincidence. 
When I was telling Erin about what happened, laughing it off, I could see that she had something she wanted to tell me. What's going on? I asked her. She told me that when she was packing Cadence's stuff up for this trip, she was standing in the hallway and thought she had heard a child's laugh. She felt that something had run by her and brushed against Uh. her hand. She went to check on Cadence, only to find that she was outside playing in the front yard. She was a little creeped out when I also had an unexplainable story. It was quiet for a little while after that. And then one day, Aaron was out of town for work, leaving myself and Cadence in the house. I was beat from work. Once I was able to get Kay down for bed, I threw on a scary movie to relax. I must have fallen asleep. I've heard of sleep paralysis, but up until this point, I had never experienced it. I guess I woke up and could hear and feel everything around me, but could not move at all. It was the weirdest feeling, however, and what happened next still freaks me out every time I think about it. I, I heard and felt someone or something come into the living room and run down the hall towards my daughter's room. The fear I felt that something was running towards my sleeping daughter while I was unable to protect her was the scariest feeling I have ever felt. I tried all I could to get up, willing myself to move, to go and protect her. Eventually, I lurched up and jetted into her room, finding her sound asleep. I scooped her up and hugged her with all my might. She was okay. When I picked her up, though, she was burning hot. Her temp clocked in at 103. Nothing serious, just a sick little girl. But then I thought, was that thing trying to warn me? Now, all those things, while a little creepy, really don't add up to anything I would call malicious. But all of that was about to change. Sometime later after work, I planned on running to the store for some groceries. As I pulled into the parking lot, my phone rang. It was Erin. I picked up, and before I could even say a word, she blurted out, Are you on your way home? I was going to grab some stuff from the store first, but uh, yeah. She replied, No, get home now, and hung up. I kicked it into high gear and raced home to find her outside. She was standing at the front door holding a leash to one of our dogs. Percy is a cane corso, and for those who are unfamiliar with that breed, all you need to know are three words. Big fucking dog. (laughs) I jumped out of the car and ran to her. What the hell's going on, I said. She said she was giving Percy a bath when she got this sick feeling in her stomach and an urgent need to go check on Cadence. She found the front door wide open with Kay running back towards the house, coming over from our neighbor's yard. When Aaron asked why she was over there, she simply stated that she went to say hi to the man that looked like daddy because he was waving for her to come over. There's something you need to know about our neighbor's house. When we moved in, no one lived there. A nice couple moved in during our first summer there. They were kind, good people, and we never had any issues with them. They were the kind of neighbors that always waved in passing. One night, at about three or four in the morning, a van pulled into their driveway, loaded up all their shit, and they were gone by the next morning, never to be seen again. No one was living in the house where my daughter had claimed to see the waving man. I took, t- I took uh. Percy and checked all the doors on the outside of that house. All were locked, and I could see no signs of someone squatting there from peeking in the windows. We told Kay to never go over there again without a grown-up, no matter who she saw in the window. After that neighbor incident, things in the house changed. It no longer felt like the nice little house we had bought two and a half years ago. The light started flickering all of the time. Any of us, all of us were in the same room together. Cadence would wake up crying almost every night, and anytime Aaron and I would even get a little heated in a conversation, things would fly off shelves and countertops. One time in particular, I remember that Aaron said she had to stay at work for a little while longer than expected, and I was bummed out. We had a tiny 
argument. Nothing major over the phone when I heard a huge crash come for the kitchen. I ran into the kitchen finding every cabinet open and almost everything that was in them smashed all over the floor. I immediately apologized to Erin and told her that I loved her and couldn't wait to see her when she got home for fear of what might happen next. That was enough for us. We put the house on the market and we found another place and we haven't had anything out of the normal happen since we left. That's so weird that like nothing uh, happened after they left. I was just making a note. Well, there. they moved somewhere else. No, no, no. I know, but uh, but I made I was making a note there where you know like that poltergeist type type activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like years ago, like these researchers at like Duke University and stuff. This has come up in stories before, most recently with the Ernie Rivers poltergeist. Mm-hmm. But they used to associate that. I mean, K is or Cadence, you know, mm-hmm. really young, mm-hmm. usually with like an adolescent going through puberty and uh, and things oh. will start moving around and crash into the walls, like some kind of like energy attached. Which isn't a, in and of itself is so weird. Mm-hmm. It's like how can anyone move anything with their emotions? Right. Like it doesn't make any sense. And so, uh, yeah, that was just an interesting detail at the end there. When it's like you know when they would argue or whatever, all these yeah. things would happen. So like, is that Kate? Is that Bobby? Whoever like I think you know, it's Bobby. Bobby. Who, is. I don't know who Bobby is, but Bobby sounds like maybe not great. Oh man, the waving man. That the waving man, and, and that's the wave. Uh, the waving man next next door. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's like so. Like, are both of those places haunted? Because that that house was vacant. They said there, so there shouldn't have been a waving man in there. Right, right. So that's interesting too, because that's not out of the question. That never comes up in like haunted house movies. Mm-hmm. But what if there was like a whole haunted neighborhood? Oh my god! <laughs> like you run out of your haunted house and you run into the neighbor's house, and there's entities that are even fucking worse there. Yeah, everyone's like a little bit, everyone in the Uh, neighborhood looks a little bit tired all the time. uh, Everyone's a bit on edge, but no one wants to talk about it because they're afraid to sound like a lunatic. And then it would be so great if everyone was at like a 4th of July barbecue. And finally one neighbor is like talking about like, oh, yeah, I've been so, how are you? Oh, you know, good, so tired. Oh, look, you doing okay? You feeling all right? And then they feel comfortable to divulge. And then then they're like, oh, my God, us too. And then it starts this Ugh. whole, oh, that'd be a great, again, a great movie. I know. When is that horror movie going to come out or horror series where it's not awesome. It's not just a haunted house? It's a haunted series of houses. Or I think that I, I can't think of the name of one of them, but I'm pretty sure there's been movies about like essentially a haunted town, like a little town where there's something going on in like hmm. the whole town. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if it's been like poltergeist stuff though. I don't know. But yeah, the poltergeist stuff, it's always just like, like when it's intense poltergeist activity, Amityville, uh, mm-hmm. you know, wherever, it's always like one place. Yeah. And the neighbors are unaffected. Well, yeah. And as I think it's important that we note that like they left and then they never mm-hmm. had another thing happen to them. So right. in my opinion, very clearly the house. Yeah. Or the, or the, or the hood, the neighborhood. Or the hood. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So I have one more story for you. Okay. This is just like, I'm dying. This is so sweet. It's a little piece of bonus content. Bobby! I wanted to scare you. It was That's, pathetic. Oh, man. It, I was I, looking at you. You looked down for a second, I thought. You, you think I can't see you when I look down? Uh, hey, I tried. <laughs> I wanted to jump. I wanted to, I wanted to startle oh, you again. You should have. I got you so good earlier. I know. You should have just left it at that. Quit while you're ahead, my friend. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But this. Okay. So this fan, the mom's name is Jennifer. She. I also got the handwritten version of this in the mail. I printed out this copy. It's been hanging on the wall above my desk. It is so, so <laughs> stinking cute. Um, and so, scary. Well, you'll see. Um, oh, okay. So one of our young fans, Trey, started yeah. listening, started watching the show with his mom and then felt inspired to write his own original spooky story. Right. So it's scary. I was getting there. 
You said it was cute. Don't take away from his scary story. He's cute. There you go. Okay. My God. So he says, hi, scared to death. This is a story about a creature called the smile. It would be a dream come true if you gave me a shout out. My name is Trey Scott. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Trey. Hi, Trey. Okay. This is Trey's story. I was going to look for my dog, Charlotte. She was missing. We were camping and then we heard something. Charlotte. She just decided to go toward the noise. I found an abandoned building. As I opened the door, a dog whine echoed through the hall. I yelled, Charlotte! I heard something that did not sound like Charlotte. It sounded like a growl mixed with an insane laugh coming from around the corner at the end of the hall. I pulled out my pistol and I ran around the corner. I saw something. It was a humanoid figure with a scary grin covered in blood and Charlotte's corpse beside him. I shot it and something happened. It grew three tongues. Its fingers turned to claws and tentacles came out of its back. I ran and I dropped my gun. I got out alive with tears in my eyes and only a few bruises and scratches. I went back and told my parents everything and cried. We decided to leave. As we left, I saw in the trees him waving at me and it was talking and he said, I'll see you soon, friend. Uh. And then he drew this awesome photo. of the. He drew this awesome thing of the of the, uh, the guy. It's actually really that, good. That is so cool. We we should um let's have Logan take a picture of that and put it on the uh, socials to and attach add it to, to the story. Yep, yeah. Add it to this week's um pictures. Thank you, Trey. That's good. awesome, Trey. I don't good know job, how old Trey. you are, but that was really good writing. That was very cool. Good story. Great. Yay, Trey. <laughs> Trey Scott. Trey Scott. Uh do you have some some Annabelle shout outs that you want to do? I can do the Annabelles first this week. Yes. Uh would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon. Want to thank Taylor Roca, Tara Nussbaum, Aaron Boulay, Jerome Hedinger, Ben Johnson, Eric Medley. <laughs> I guess this is not a birth name. Grandmaster Flex. What are you talking about? <laughs> Lindsay Bianchi, uh, Connor Falk, the Sukups. Probably not a birth name here either. Meta the Panda. <laughs> Apologies if you are first name Meta, last name the Panda. Uh, Tr- Tracy nine 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 ish. Funny, Daniel Wood, Sean Sargent, and Troy Mongillo. Okay. Or, Mon- or Mon- Mongillo? Mongillo. Mongillo? Is there an, another no I? I. Oh. I would say I would say Mongillo, Mongillo, or mm. Mongillo. Yeah. Whenever the names are like an interesting spelling that I can't quite figure out, I think, God, did I type that up wrong? And then I go and I look in Patreon. So know that nine times out of ten, it is correct. It's not me. I, I was bumping on the name. There was a. It reminds me of a family who grew up in Riggins, where. Um, <laughs> because because where I grew up is so like not necessarily cultured, you know, small and white, small, very small and white. And there's this family and I th- I'm pretty sure they mispronounced their own name. <laughs> like it was like Jeremio. And I think they said Jeremillo, kind of like Quesadilla from Napoleon oh, Dynamite. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. yeah. I'm pretty sure like their name was definitely uh, Hispanic and they just chose to pronounce it what very would, white. What would your dad say? Japa? Uh, uh, jalapenos. Jalapenos. I knew. For jalapenos. <laughs> I'll never get over that. Oh, God. Okay. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting the show and allowing us to do what we do. Matt Elkins, Kenzie, no last name, Jennifer Lee, Josh, no last name, Michael Pittman, Tiffany, no last name. You guys should start a family. (laughs) Alex Davila, Davila, Trevor Jacobson, Abby Rojek, Megan Skinner, Sam Doolittle, Christine Terry, Jill Cupper, Amanda Givens, Chris Liu and Koi Jade. 
Nice. Okay. Well and done. Can I do my... Do your spoops. Do my spoopy shout-outs. Um, I would like to give a shout-out to Madeline from your mom, dad, and Livy. Happy 12th birthday. All, a young creeper. To Jennifer from Sawyer, a happy belated birthday. To Kason from your dad, Chris. Love you, buddy. To Mary from your daughter, Sabrina. Love you. There, uh, there are so many um, parent-child combos. It's awesome. It's very cool. I like your jacket, by the way, too. Thank like you. Like your floral jacket. Thank you. It's very springy. Do you know what it's really called? Uh, It's called a flacket. It's a flower jacket. (laughs) No, but there is a thing called a shacket, which is a shirt jacket. Oh. That's a men's thing. This is called a duster. A duster? Mm Mm-hmm. Really? I've never heard of a duster shirt. You're you're welcome. It's not a shirt. Duster jacket. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But you would just say duster. You wouldn't say duster duster. jacket. Just a duster. Oh, okay. Nice. nice, You have a nice duster. (laughs) Listen, I just thought you would want to learn something new today. That's No, that's good. Um, <laughs> that's all for today. Uh, thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, including duster questions, uh, <laughs> info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith on social media, badmagicmerch.com design. Does he design dusters? He designs dusters. We are only selling dusters going forward. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to producer Sophie Evans, Joe Paisley for producing and directing, Zach Cohen for custom sound beds, and Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you'd like to watch the dusters on the show. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content at Scared to Death Podcast. Join the private Facebook group, Creeps and Dusters. <laughs> It's Creeps and Peepers. <laughs> Thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating. Uh, and if you don't want to hear any more ads, if you don't want to hear me say Duster anymore, bo- bonus episodes, <laughs> check out our Patreon. Enjoy Nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you were scared to death. I want an Instagram page of just Dusters. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death.